Section One of The Dark by Leonid Andreev, translated by L. A. Magnus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section One. As a rule, success had accompanied him in all his undertakings, but during the last three days complications had arisen which were unfavourable, not to say critical. His life, though a short one, had long been a game of terrible hazards. He was accustomed to these sudden turns of chance, and could deal with them. The stake had before been life itself, his own and others, and this by itself had taught him alertness, swiftness of thought, and a cold hard outlook. Chance this time had turned dangerously against him. A mere fluke, one of those unforeseeable accidents, had provided the police with a clue. For two whole days the detectives had been on his track, a known terrorist and nihilist, drawing the net ever closer round him. One after another the conspirators' hiding-places had been cut off from him. There still remained to him a few streets and boulevards and restaurants where he might go undiscovered. But his terrible exhaustion, after two sleepless nights and days of ceaseless vigilance, had brought in its train a new danger. He might drop off to sleep anywhere, on a seat in the boulevards, even in a cab, and be ludicrously arrested as a common drunk. It was now Tuesday. On Thursday, only one day to spare, he had to carry out a terrorist act of great importance. The preparations for the assassination had kept the little organization busy for some considerable time. The honour of throwing the last and decisive bomb had fallen to him. He must retain self-command at all costs. But sleep! It was thus, on that October evening, standing at the crossing of crowded streets, that he decided to take refuge in a brothel. He would have had recourse earlier to this refuge, though none too secure, had it not been for the good reason that all his twenty-six years he had been chaste, had never known women as mere women, had never been in a brothel. Now and then he had had to fight sternly against such desires, but gradually restraint had become habit, and had produced in him an attitude of calmness and complete indifference towards the sex. So now, at the thought of being forced into close contact with a woman who traded in such pleasures, and of perhaps seeing her naked, he had forebodings of any number of unpleasantnesses and awkward moments. True, he had only decided to go to a prostitute now, when his passion was quiescent, when a step had to be taken so important and serious that virginity and the struggle for it lost their value. But in any event it was unpleasant, as might be any other obnoxious incident which must be endured. Once, when assisting in an important act, in which he played the part of second bomb-thrower, he saw a horse which had been killed with its hind parts burst open and the entrails exposed. This incident, its filthy and disgusting character, and its needlessness, gave him a similar sensation, in its way even more unpleasant than the death of a comrade from an exploding bomb and the more quietly and fearlessly, and even joyously, he anticipated Thursday, when he would probably have to die, the more was he oppressed with the prospect of a night with a woman who practised love as a profession, a thing utterly ridiculous, an incarnation of chaos, senseless, petty, and dirty. But there was no alternative. He was tottering with fatigue. 
it was still early when he arrived about ten o'clock but the great white hall with its gilded chairs and mirrors was ready for the reception of guests and all the fires were lighted the pianist was sitting beside the piano a dapper young man in a black frock coat for it was an expensive house he was smoking carefully flicking the ash of his cigarette so as not to soil the carpet and glancing over the music in the corner near the darkened dining-room there sat all a row on three chairs three girls whispering to one another as he entered with the manageress two of the girls rose but the third remained sitting the two who rose were very décolleté the third wore a deep black frock the two looked at him straight with a look of invitation half indifferent half weary but the third turned aside her profile was calm and simple like that of any proper young maiden a thoughtful face apparently she had been telling a story to the others and the others had been listening and now she was continuing the train of thought telling the rest in silence and just because she was silent and reflective and did not look at him because she had the appearance of a proper woman he chose her never before having been to a brothel he did not know that in every well-equipped house of this sort there are one or two such women dressed in black like nuns or young widows with pale faces unrouged even stern their task being to provide an illusion of propriety to those who seek it but when they go with a man to their room drinking and becoming like the rest or even worse brawling and breaking the china dancing about undressing and dancing into the hall naked and even killing men who are too importunate such are the women with whom drunken students fall in love whom they persuade to begin new honourable lives but of all this he knew nothing and when she rose reluctantly and looked at him with displeased and averted eyes glancing at him sharply out of her pale and colourless face he thought once again how very proper she is and felt some relief but keeping up the dissimulation constant unavoidable which caused him to have two lives and made his life a stage he balanced himself elegantly on his feet from his heels to his toes snapped his fingers and said to the girl with the careless air of a habitual debauchee well what about it my dear shall we pay you a visit now eh where is your little nest now at once the girl asked surprised and raising her eyebrows he smiled gaily disclosing even rows of strong straight teeth blushed deeply and replied certainly why lose valuable time there will be some music soon we can dance dance my fair charmer silly twiddles catching oneself by the tail as to the music it can be heard from up there she looked at him and smiled fairly well she was beginning to like him he had prominent cheekbones and was clean-shaven his cheeks and the lower part of the mouth under the clean-cut lips were slightly blue as when dark-bearded men shave he had fine dark eyes although in expression a little too unswerving and they moved slowly and heavily as though every movement were a great distance to be traversed but despite his shaven face and easy manner she reasoned he did not resemble an actor but rather an acclimatized foreigner you are not a german she asked no not quite i mean i am an englishman do you like englishmen but what good russian you speak i should never have guessed 
he recollected his British passport and the affected accent he had been using lately. And he blushed again at the thought of having forgotten to keep up the pretense as he ought to have done. Then, with a slight frown, and assuming a business-like dryness of tone, in which a certain amount of weariness was perceptible, he took the girl by the elbow and led her along swiftly. "'No, I am a Russian, Russian. Now, where are we to go? Show me. This way?' The large mirror showed the full-length figures of the pair sharply and clearly, she in black, pale, and at that distance very pretty, he also in black, and just as pale. Under the glare of the electric lights hanging from the ceiling, his wide forehead and the hard mass of his prominent cheeks were peculiarly pale. And both in his face and the girl's, where the eyes should have been, there were mysterious fascinating hollows. And so strange was the picture of such a black, stern couple against the white walls, reflected in the broad gilded mirror, that he was startled, and stopped short by the thought, like a bride and bridegroom and, as his imagination was dulled by want of sleep, and his thoughts brusque and inconsequent, the next moment, looking at the stern pair in mourning black, he thought, as at a funeral. And both notions were equally unpleasant. Apparently his feelings were shared by the girl. She silently, wonderingly, glanced at herself and him, him and herself. She tried to wink, but the mirror would not respond to so slight a movement, and in the same dull and obstinate manner persisted in picturing this black shamefast couple. And perhaps this pleased the girl, or recalled something of herself, something sad, for she smiled gently and lightly pressed his clenched hand. "'What a couple!' she said reflectively, and for some reason or other the dark bow of her eyelashes, with the fine curve of their droop, became more noticeable. This he did not observe, but resolutely dragged the girl along with him, she tapping her way on high French heels on the parquet flooring. There was a corridor, as there always is, and narrow dark little rooms with open doors. At one of them inscribed above in irregular handwriting, Liuba. They entered. And now, Liuba, he said, looking round and unconsciously rubbing his hands one over the other, as though carefully washing them in cold water, don't we want wine and something else? Or some fruit? Fruit is expensive here. That doesn't matter. Do you drink wine? He had forgotten himself, and was addressing her as you. He noticed it, but did not correct himself, for there had been something in that touch of her hand which made him unwilling to use the familiar pronoun, or play the lover and act a part. This feeling, too, passed on to her. She stared at him fixedly, and answered deliberately, with some uncertainty in her voice, though none in the language she used. "'Thank you. I do drink. Wait a moment. I will return at once. I will tell them to bring only two pears and two apples. Will that be enough?' It was now she who was using the pronoun of politeness, and through the tone of voice in which she spoke the word there could be heard the same irresolution, a slight hesitation and interrogation. But he paid no attention to this. When he was alone, he went swiftly to work surveying the room from all sides. He tested the closing of the door. It closed splendidly, on the latch and on the key. Went to the window, opened both casements. It was high up on the second floor, and looked out on the courtyard. He frowned and shook his head. Then he experimented on the lights. There were two of them. 
when the one on the ceiling was switched off the other by the bed lit up under a little red hood just as in the best hotels but the bed he grinned and raised his shoulders as though laughing silently distorting his face as people must who are stealthy and for some reason secretive even when they are alone but the bed he walked round it handled the wadded counterpane and then with a sudden longing to be gay and saucy in his joy at the sleep he was going to have he twisted his head like a boy stuck out his lips made round eyes all to express his highest degree of amazement but at once he became serious again sat down and wearily waited for liuba he wanted to think of thursday that he was now in a brothel that he was already there but the thought rebelled and stubbornly resisted him outraged sleep was taking its revenge there on the street sleep had been so gentle now it no longer caressed his face as with a soft downy hand but made his own hands and feet writhe and racked his body as though it would rend him asunder suddenly he began yawning even to the point of tears he took out his browning and three full clips of cartridges and savagely blew down the barrel as into a key it was all in order and he longed insufferably for sleep when the wine and fruit were brought in and liuba came in after them he shut the door only on the latch and said well all right please help yourself liuba please do and you the girl surprised looked at him askance i will later on for two nights you see i have been having a gay time of it and have had no sleep and now he yawned frightfully straining his jaws well i will later just an hour i will soon and you please drink and don't spare and eat the fruit why did you get so little but may i go into the hall there will be some music this was inconvenient they might begin talking about him the strange guest who had gone to sleep and might start guessing and that might be awkward so lightly restraining a yawn which was already writhing his jaws he said sedately and earnestly no lioba i shall ask you to stay here you see i don't much like sleeping alone in a room it's a mere whim but you will excuse me certainly you have paid your money and yes yes and he blushed for the third time quite true but that isn't what i mean and if you like you can lie down too i will leave room for you only please lie next to the wall you don't mind no i don't want to sleep i will just sit here will you read there are no books here would you like today's paper i have it here there is something interesting in it no thank you as you like you know best but with your permission he shut and locked the door and put the key in his pocket without noticing the strange look with which the girl followed his movements this courteous and decent conversation such a curious conversation in this home of misery where the very air was thick with the vapours of drunken brawls seemed to him perfectly natural and quite convincing with the same polite air as though he were in the company of young ladies he touched the edge of his frock-coat and asked do you mind if i take off my coat the girl scowled slightly certainly of course and my waistcoat it's so tight the girl did not answer but merely shrugged her shoulders here is my pocket-book and money will you be so good as to take care of them for me 
you had better leave them at the office we always deposit such things there why he looked at the girl and turned aside in confusion oh of course but that's silly but do you know how much you have on you some people don't know and then afterwards i understand quite you desire he lay down politely leaving room for her by the wall an enchanting sleep spaciously smiling came and nestled with its downy cheek against his gently fondled him stroking his knees and mercifully settling to rest with its soft velvety head on his shoulder he smiled what makes you smile the girl smiled involuntarily because i am comfortable how soft your pillows are now we can talk a while why don't you drink something i think i shall take off my things if you don't mind i shall have to sit still so long her voice had a touch of mockery but at the sight of his unsuspecting glance and hearing his simple certainly please do she explained quite simply and seriously my corset is so tight i shall take it off too if i may certainly you may he turned away blushing but either because insomnia had so addled his thoughts or because all his life he had been so innocent his you may sounded quite natural to him in a house where all things were allowed and nobody ever thought of asking anybody's leave about anything he heard a rustling of silk and the unbuttoning of a dress then a question you are not an author what an author no i am not an author uh, do you like authors no i do not why they are men he yawned a long satisfying yawn and what is your name silence and then my name is n no peter and what are you what do you do the girl questioned him gently but watchfully and in a firm tone the impression conveyed by her voice might have been that she was moving towards the bed but he by now had ceased to hear her he was already sleeping for one moment an expiring thought had flickered in a single picture in which time and space melted into a motley of shadows gloom and light motion and repose a single picture of crowds and endless streets and a ceaseless turning of wheels depicted the whole of those two days and nights of frenzied chase and in an instant all of this was stilled dimmed and had passed away and then in the soft half-light in the deep shadow he had an image of one of the picture galleries where the night before for two hours he had eluded his pursuers he seemed to be sitting on a red velvet divan which was extraordinarily soft and staring fixedly at a huge black picture and such a restfulness proceeded from that old black cracked canvas his eyes were so much rested his thoughts reposing so gently that for some moments even in his sleep he began fighting sleep confusedly afraid of it as though of an unknown disquietude but the music in the hall played on the frequent little notes with bare heads hairless jostled up and down and the thought came now i can sleep and all at once he fell into a deep slumber triumphantly eagerly gentle glossy sleep soothed and embraced him and in profound silence masking their breathing they went their way into a pellucid melting sea thus he slept on one hour and then another on his back in the polite posture he had assumed awake his right hand in his pocket holding the key and his revolver 
the girl neck and arms bare sitting opposite smoking sipping cognac gazing on him now and then to get a better view she craned her rather thin flexible neck and when she moved her lips curled with two deep creases of constraint she had not thought to turn out the hanging lamp and under the strong light he was neither young nor old nor strange nor intimate but some unknown being the cheeks unknown the nose ending in a bird's beak of shape unknown the breathing so even and powerful and strong unknown his thick hair was cut short in military fashion and she noticed on the left temple near the eye a little whitened scar from some former wound there was no cross strung round his neck the music in the hall died down or started afresh piano and violin and songs and the pit-a-pat of dancing feet but she sat on smoking cigarettes and observing the sleeper she stretched her neck inquisitively to look at his left hand which was lying on his breast a very broad palm and strong restful fingers it seemed to weigh heavily on him to hurt so with a careful movement she lifted it and let it down gently at the side of the big body on the bed then rose swiftly and noisily and as though she wanted to smash the switch roughly turned out the upper lamp lighting the lower one under the red hood but even then he did not stir his face in the pink light remained as unknown as terrifying as before in its immobility and repose she turned aside clasped her knees with her arms now softly reddening threw her head back and stared motionless at the ceiling from the dusky hollows of her unblinking eyes and in her teeth tightly pressed there hung a cigarette half smoked cold dead something had happened something unexpected and terrible something considerable and of consequence while he was sleeping this much he understood at a flash even before he was properly awake at the first sound of a harsh unknown voice he took it in with that sharpened sense of danger which to him and his comrades had developed almost into a new special sense he was up quickly and sat with his hand pressing his revolver hard his eyes searchingly and sharply exploring the mist of the room and when he saw her in the same attitude with her shoulders of that transparent rosy hue and her bared breast and those eyes so enigmatically dark and unswerving he thought to himself she has betrayed me then he looked again more steadily sighed deeply and corrected himself she hasn't yet but she will how miserable it all was he drew a deep breath and asked curtly well what is it she said nothing she smiled triumphantly and spitefully and looked at him and was silent as though she already accounted him her own and without haste or hurry wanted to gloat over her power what did you say just now he repeated with a frown what i said i said get up that's what i said get up you've been asleep it's time to play the game this isn't a doss house my dear turn on the light he commanded i will not he turned it on himself and under the white light he saw her eyes infinitely wicked and black and painted and her mouth compressed with hatred and disdain and he saw the naked arms and all of her alien decisive ready to do something irrevocable he saw the prostitute a creature repellent to him what's the matter with you are you drunk he asked seriously disquieted and put out a hand to take his high starched collar 
but anticipating his movement she snatched at the collar and without looking hurled it somewhere anywhere into the room behind the chest of drawers into a corner i won't give it to you end of section one